0: Some furniture here. I'm Asian. The feng shui is off. Let me just give me a minute. Okay, gonna put this down because that's gonna poke me in the eye. All right, good to see you here. My name is Tim Walk. I'm a financial advisor. Before that, I was a pastor for 15 years. Uh, That's where my education background is. I have a Bible degree. I also have a family. Uh, Some of them are here today. I think we got uh, that's our uh, family there. That's my wife Kelly. She's actually serving the kids ministry uh, at our home church uh, today. So we divided and conquered so the two oldest are with her serving in the kids ministry i got the youngest uh who loves this church you are the yellow slide church and my 6 year old loves the yellow slide church because you have two of his favorite things you have a you have donuts and you have a playground and so that is you you are the if we left it up to a vote. His vote is we're moving to Newark and being part of Engaged Church. So um, he loves it. Uh, the challenge is with a six year old, we, we are in huff and puff season with our six year old. So anything that we ask, which we, we feel is like reasonable, uh, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, I, I don't know. Hey, hey son, uh, can you put your plate away? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, really? I asked you to put the plate away with the hot food I made for you, that I purchased for you, that I prepared for you. I'm just asking you to put your plate away. <laughs> every, every, just everything's difficult. Hey, son, you got to turn off the TV. We're going to school today. <laughs> and, and there's a side of me that's like, it's, that's not the season of Huff and Puff. There will come a time to Huff and Puff. Today, six-year-olds, you should—you don't have the right to huff and puff. Life is going to get so much harder. That's when you could huff and puff, okay? When you're forty, and it's just like I got to go to work today. <laughs> still, still, after all these years, I'm still working. Well, I, I, I got a got a home tonight after work. <laughs> you know, everybody will be there, and they have expectations of me. Like that's when we could huff and puff. But at six. Not this season of Huff and Puff. Uh, my son is in Huff and Puff mode. And I just want to prepare him because I'm like, it will get so much harder. We're not asking you to split an atom. We're asking you to go to school and learn about shapes and colors. Okay? Like that is the expectation of a six-year-old. We're asking you to get dressed. Okay? We are asking you not to urinate in your own bed. Okay? We, the, the expectations are here. Okay, we're not asking you for much here. It's going to get so much harder, and it's interesting because I'm seeing the frustration of the other kids when he's huffing and puffing, because they have real expectations. They have real expectations. Again, Asian, all A's in our house. There's no B's or Asian F's in our house. Like you, you got to do well in school. There's that expectation. You got to be ready for sports. You know, they're at the the older two. They're at the age. It's like you can't smell. I don't know what, I don't know how girls work. I don't know what you need to do to make that happen, but you're not allowed to smell. And it's interesting because as life goes on, life gets a little bit harder and tougher. We know that, right? And for some of us, if you're in your 20s, you think like, oh, there's going to be this level, we're going to hit this level and life gets easier. I turned 40 in December, I haven't seen it. Okay. I've talked to my older friends and they're like, nope. Nope. No such level. Uh, that, that's a lie to keep us all going and moving forward. Uh, there's no such level. It just keeps getting harder and, and, and tougher. And we know that. And there's some examples uh, on, on the screen. Well, we need strength in a tough world. Why? Because the world is tough. That's something that we've learned, right? The world is tough. Work is hard. That's why it's called work, Work is hard, and we go back, and I'm reading uh, the Bible with my kids, and we go back, and I had this great conversation with my 12-year-old about the curse. There is friction in work now. Things don't do what they're supposed to do, right? Technology doesn't do what it's supposed to do. People don't do what they're supposed to do. That's why they're managers, because we are so incompetent as humans, we have to be managed. Work is hard. Relationships are complicated. My 12 year old is starting to see this. Why are they mad at me? Well, who's mad at you, son? And I hear a girl's name. I was like, oh, I, I got nothing. <laughs> it's because the wind blew. That's why she's upset with you, okay? Don't, don't, even, don't even stress out about that. But relationships are hard, they're difficult. Even as a parent, they're difficult. Why? They keep changing. They keep evolving. Things happen. Life happens. And relationships are complicated. Inflation's high. Okay, again, financial advisor. inflation's high. It's rough right now, right? Remember during a pandemic when there's just random stuff out of stock where it's just like, oh, guess we don't get milk this week. Now it's just random stuff that is too expensive to buy. Because that's a bad investment where it's just like, chicken nuggets are $133 a bag. I guess we're not getting those. It's tough. And here's the other thing. All of these things are like, yeah, you you know, the economy is tough and work is tough and relationships are tough and I am difficult. I self-sabotage. I mess up myself, and I'm glad I'm not, I, I hope I'm not the only one to uh, hear this, so I want to give you a, a short video clip of an expert that knows how tough life is. Go ahead and watch this uh, short.
1: And they make me so tired. <laughs>
0: Can you go ahead and restart that? I'm sorry. We, we missed I never the, blame them. i the like, what is I love, up?
1: I love pancakes. I love them so much. And they make me so tired. <laughs> and I never blame them. I'm always like, what is up with me today? <laughs> I can't get it going, you know? <laughs> and I'll go to my wife. And I'm like, I think we need new pillows. She's like, you think it's that loaf of bread and syrup you just say? (laughs) Everything I eat, I can tell you exactly where it's at in my body once I swallow it. You'd just be like, that's behind my heart. It's behind my heart. (laughs)
0: I love that clip. Nate Bargatze is such a, a funny person to me, and I love that clip because it's like we never blame the, the things that are like sabotaging us, right? Have a terrible breakfast, and it's just like, ah, oh, I don't know what's what's up with me today. I don't know why things are so difficult. Oh, you know, I don't know why I'm always so tired. How how much sleep did you get? Like solid four minutes. Oh, that might be why. I don't. Know, I don't know why I'm so sluggish, and it's just like, well, when's the last time you exercised? Oh. August. It's just because the dog got out. Uh, it, it's am- it, Like the most difficult thing in life, it's usually us, <laughs> the, the our shaving partner, right? The person that fogs up the mirror every morning. We're probably the most difficult. We get in our own way. We do things that hurt ourselves. We do things that sabotage ourselves. We mess up our own life. How many of you guys could look back at a difficult day and you're like, that was 100% on me. That was 100% on what I said. That was 100% on how I prepared. That was 100% on me. And for those of you that raised your hands, good self-awareness. For the rest of you, well, you might want to work on that this year. Make, make that a goal. Most of us tend to look for external strengths to deal with these problems too, right? Oh, we need to get new pillowcases because that's why, you know, I'm tired and sluggish. It's not because of my terrible diet. It's something else external. Oh, you know what? I need to switch jobs because it, it, it's my bad manager. It's not my own poor habits. It's my bad manager. I need to get out of this relationship because that person doesn't understand me. No, maybe that person's tired of putting up with you. I need to switch these things. I need to change these things on the outside. I need more. You know what? I need to look. I need to listen to more influencers and figure out some more hacks. That's what I need. I need to figure. I need to read this article on the seven tips I need to do instead of doing what I know I need to supposed to do. Right? I need to look for all these external things. Here's the next one. I need to have new habits and resolutions. 2024 is going to be the year. Everything changes. But we could honestly probably recycle our list from the last 20 years and be like, yep, yep, still there. Still need to eat better and and take better care of myself. Oh, just me? Okay, that's cool. You you guys are crushing it. It's just me here. Uh, You know, we need to change our circumstances and relationships. That's what we need to do. We need to look on the outside. We need to go to another church. We need to go do something different. We need something else. It's not our fault. It's all these things outside of my locus of control, so I I just need to look for other things to fix me. Hmm. We are all searching for strength. We need strength. It's fair. We need strength. Because life is tough. But what I want to propose to you, and what we'll actually see as we look at the scriptures today, is the most powerful or strength is internal, and we can pull from that all the time. We have a great example of that. There's this uh, guy in the Old Testament, his name's David, very famous uh, situation, even if you didn't grow up in church, story of David and Goliath. And there's going to be this epic battle. And David is caught up in a situation where he needs strength. He's going to fight this absolute monster. And his stakes were pretty high. Because if he lost, his entire people group would be enslaved. That's one of those times where the stakes are so high, you don't even apply for the job. (laughs) Right? So it's like, hey, what happens if I win? Well, you don't have to pay taxes. Sweet. Sweet. What happens if I lose? Your people group doesn't exist anymore. Okay, we're all butlers. That, that sucks. I, I don't know if I want to do that. Yet in spite of this, David goes ahead and raises his hand. I, I'll apply for the job. And this is where we're going to catch up. So we're going to look at 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 39. That's where we're going to start. He has a conversation with the king. And the king does what people tend to do, what you and I would tend to do. Okay, he's looking at David, and it's like, we need to add external strength to him. We need to find these tools to make him uh, able, capable to be stronger in this tough situation. Saul clothed David with all of his armor, the best armor, the best things out there. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. Wow. Isn't that how we normally deal with struggles and circumstance? Let's find the external stuff. Let's get new pillowcases when we can't when we don't have the energy. Let's let let's switch jobs. Let's switch departments. Let's switch spouses because things are tough. Let's do these sort of things to make things a little bit easier for ourselves. That's what we tend to do. That is very normal. That is very human. It is very natural. What I want to propose today to you is it's not supernatural. And we're blessed with a God that gives us more opportunities and ways to live a better life. So we see David's response here. David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. This is not me. I've never used this stuff before. I never fought like this before. I don't know how to use a sword like this. I've never walked around in armor like this. I'm a poor shepherd boy. I never had any of this stuff. So David put them off. You know how brave that is? Because what if he lost? What if he lost? Well, first of all, it wouldn't be a big deal to him because he'd be dead. But what if he lost? That's such a brave thing to do. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm going to reject these external tools to accomplish this job. Wow. Hey, could some of us spend 2024 this year being a little bit more brave and rejecting what everyone else is doing? I'm not saying about, like, smart stuff. Like, it's just like, yeah, no seatbelts in 2024. Everybody's doing that. Like, no. Hey, listen, okay? I'm saying everyone is running into a direction. Maybe we just sit and pause and hear and understand where the Lord is calling us to go just want to throw that out there. Then he took his staff in his hand, a stick, and he chose five smooth stones from a brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Now, a ton of research has been done on this because we have this amazing moment in time, this historical moment. We know where the valley was that this fought uh, this battle was fought, where this thing took place. We know these things, and we know what type of soldier Goliath was, and there is historical records of what David had. What David had with the sling. And there's this uh, amazing author named Malcolm Gladwell. We're going to show you uh, a a snippet of this clip. He actually did a TED Talk on his research about David and Goliath. I think it's fascinating, uh, and I hope uh, you'd appreciate it too. So go ahead and roll that. In ancient warfare, there
1: are three kinds of warriors. There's cavalry, men on horseback and with chariots. There is heavy infantry, which are foot soldiers, armed foot soldiers with uh, swords and shields and some kind of armor. And there's artillery. And artillery are archers, but more importantly, slingers. And a slinger is someone who has a leather pouch with two long cords attached to it. And they put a projectile, either a rock or a lead ball, inside the pouch. And they whirl it around like this. And they let one of the cords go. And the effect is to send the projectile forward at, um, uh, towards its target. That's what David has. And it's important to understand that that sling is not a slingshot. It's not this, right? It's not a child's toy. It's, in fact, an incredibly devastating weapon. When David rolls it around like this, he's he's turning his uh, the sling around probably at six or seven revolutions per second. And that means that when the ball is, when the rock is released, it's going forward really fast, probably 35 meters per second. That's substantially faster than... Uh, uh, baseball thrown by um, even the finest of baseball pitchers. More than that, the stones in the Valley of elah were not normal rocks. They were barium sulfate, which are rocks twice the density of normal stones. If you do the calculations on the ballistic, on the stopping power of the rock fired from David's sling, it's roughly equal to the stopping power of a 45 millimeter handgun, right? This is an incredibly devastating weapon. David brought a gun to a knife fight.
0: He used this tool his entire life. He knew what this weapon was. And remember the story what happened? He picked up five smooth stones from a brook. He didn't bring his normal rocks. He looked and, knowing this, he, he picked this up and he was like, This is different. This is heavier. I'm going to use five of these bad boys. Throughout the research, Malcolm Gladwell came to this conclusion, and I love this line. Because Goliath is a foot soldier. He is a lumbering giant. Research actually says one of the side effects of giantism, which is uh, a a real diagnosis people still have today, it's the idea that something happens to a pituitary gland, usually a a cancerous tumor happens to uh, hit some pituitary gland in such a way it never turns off growth. So you know how we kind of grow all the way to high school and then stop? Nope. You continue to grow the rest of your life, and you eventually die in your mid-30s because your heart can't pump blood to all the extremities, and and, and you usually pass away from a heart attack or stroke. Uh, There's another uh, sad side effect. Because of where the pituitary gland is located, it's located near the uh, vision vision process uh, part of your brain, which means most giants eventually go blind. Based on his size, based on what we assume his age, because we go through in a Bible Goliath's history of combat, Goliath has limited vision at this point. He's lumbering. He's wearing a hundred pounds of armor. Have you ever seen a huge guy try to play basketball? It's really rough, right? That's... Right? We, we, there's been giants in the NBA, guys seven, seven, seven nine, not the fastest dudes on the court. They're lumbering, they're slow. And here's this giant, limited vision, who knows he can't kill David from far off. Scripture records him saying, Come here, so I can feed your flesh to the birds. Goliath is using a tactic to say, Come close. And again, with his limited vision, he literally never sees the stone coming. David has five very dangerous, very unique rounds in his pouch. It only takes one. Hurlers at the time had incredible accuracy, recordings of being able to hit birds in flight. David only needed one shot. Hit Goliath, and the only piece of uh, uh, the only opening in the armor, which was right between his eyes, killed Goliath instantly. He was dead before he hit the ground. Goliath didn't stand a chance. But what would have happened if David relied on external strength offered to him, given to him, the advice? Everybody said, You should do this. What would happen if David listened to the external voices instead of the internal voices? David would be dead, Israel would be gone at that point in history. So how did David rely on internal strength, his identity as a catalyst to accomplish what God wanted and accomplish in that particular time in history, And what can we learn from that? So that's why I want to spend the rest of our time uh, looking at. Again, 1 Samuel seventeen thirty three through 36, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against a Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. Struck him. Do you think that was with a sword? Probably not. It was with this devastating weapon that he grew up with. Struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against him, I caught him by the beard and then struck him again and killed him. Your servant, that, by the way, that's exactly how he killed Goliath, right? Struck him with a, slung, a sling, brought him down, and then took Goliath's own sword and cut his head off. That's exactly, he's done this before, time and time after again. He was comfortable with this. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Ha! Huh. What if we stop looking on the outside to accomplish what's in front of us, what if we start looking at what God has already done in our lives, the things and the opportunities God has already given us, and what if we utilize those instead? What if instead of looking for external tools and hacks and changing our circumstances and trying to trade teams or, or partners so things would be a lot better in life, what if we actually operate from our identity a place of strength? rather than chasing new things and trying to put on new armor. Our most potent and sustainable strength will always come from our identity, what's inside of us, what God has put inside of us. And I'm not saying there's a lie out there in culture that says, you have everything that you already need. Well, that's not true (laughs)
1: because
0: I'm blatantly incompetent in a lot of areas of my life. So, no, that's not true. You don't already have it. The truth is close to that, which is it is inside you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you could pull and draw upon. That's the real truth. So let's go ahead and go to the next slide. How do we develop this? How do do we draw on our identity? David learned this. David learned this because this was spoken about David. This was prophesied over David before any of this stuff happened. So we go back a chapter. 1 Samuel 16, 6-7. Six when they came, this is uh, 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 Samuel looking to anoint the king. He looked on at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks deep inside of us. God has designed an identity Something deep inside of us. And so many times, what we try to do is add other stuff to us. We add other skins. We add other layers to us. And the reality is God, instead of that, would like to draw out what he's already instilled in us. And develop what he's already instilled in us. And this is not a passive thing. David developed this over time. He did not watch a lamb get stolen by a bear and was just like, if it's the Lord's will. No. He actively developed this. Matter of fact, I'm pretty confident he's failed once or twice. He probably lost a a sheep or two, okay? Because he did not brag about that. He was like, hey, undefeated, 100-0. That wasn't the conversation. He just said, I've won before. I know how to win. We could also assume he lost before. He knows what he did wrong. This is not a passive thing. This is not a perfection thing. This is an opportunity, though, for you and I to stop listening to all those external voices. And it's really tough because you and I, everyone in this room, could reach down and grab that external voice. That we probably wake up to. That we probably check while we're still in bed. And it's the first thing that we look at, and it's probably the last thing that we see before we go to sleep, right? What are we looking at? We're looking and listening to external voices. You should worry about this. You should do this. You should freak out about this. You notice my first meeting as a financial advisor with most people (laughs) is all the things you shouldn't do. Hey, I, I heard on TikTok I should be doing this, and I should be investing in this, and my buddy's doing this. I was like hang on, I want to be a voice of reason in your life, and the only way this relationship's going to work out is you listen to me as a voice of reason, and I need you to start blocking out those other voices. I want you to do research. This is not a cult. Like, do your research. Do your things, but also, this relationship's not going to work if you're constantly listening to other people and you're not listening to me. If that's true of a financial advisor in a relationship with a client, maybe it's also true with God. And we're spending a lot of time listening to other voices. Why? Because people get rich selling external things that we add to us. The armor dudes want you to pick up more armor. The shield manufacturers want you to grab more shield. That's fine. But there is a God that knows you, has a plan for you, has given you some tools that, if you develop them, will help you get to where you want to go in life. So that's what I want to look at. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. How would our battles look different if we fought from a place of our identity? That's a great question, Tim. I'm glad you brought that up. Let's look at the first uh, scenario. The battles over temptation. The battles over our own temptation, right? Let's use Nate Bergazzi's pancake example. The battle over temptation. Man, we, we could try different things. We could try, you know, uh, little apps and do that. But honestly, wouldn't the, if he relied on his identity instead, wouldn't that be a more successful battle? I'm not the type of person that's going to eat that in the morning. I know that hurts me. I know that, that, you know, having 1,200 calories and a bunch of sugar and carbs in the morning is probably not the best thing for me, and I'm not the type of person that's going to do that. That would probably work a lot better than trying out all these externalities, right? Maybe it's, that's not your uh, temptation. Maybe it's something else. But I know I've overcome the, the several and many temptations in my life, not all of them, but many by saying to myself, I'm not the type of person that would do that. I'm not the type of person that would let that person down. I'm not the type of person that would do that. What is that? That is pulling from strength of a, a, a place of identity. Who God called me to be, I, I, that's not where I'm going to go. That's not what. The, that's not who God called me to be. It's just not who I am. And that place of identity will help you. Uh, in your battles of temptation? What about the battles of relationships? You know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be a person that does right by uh, other people, treat other people the way I want to be treated. When that is your place of identity, isn't life so much easier and clear? Uh, my wife and I had a situation where um, we got a super snarky text uh, from someone at church, and we we're just like, I'm glad this is still a thing. Um, that's probably never happened to you. It happened to us. Um, and we're processing how to handle that. And we're like, well, we, we should just tell the, there is a person in charge of that person. We, we should have a conversation with them. And I was like, well, yeah, but you know what the Bible says about this? It's way harder. The Bible says, not only the Bible, Jesus said we need to go to that person and confront them on the situation. If it's really bothering us, that's called an offense. Uh, we are offended by that. If it's just lingering. Now, it, it, and so our rule is after 24, 48 hours, if it's still lingering in our soul and it's affecting uh, our view of that person, it's like well, we probably need to have a conversation with them. So we're going to have to have a conversation. Wouldn't it be easier to send an email to someone else? Oh, absolutely. But we need to choose what's easier and better because we are the type of people that's going to follow what the biblical standard is. If we don't do that in this area, why do it in any area? Right? If we're going to ignore the biblical standard for relationships here, why follow the Bible in any spot? So we're going to do the difficult thing and have a difficult conversation. Hey, you probably didn't uh, mean this, and I know things get lost in text, but this is how it came off. And I want you to know that. And I want you to know, like, it didn't sound good, it didn't feel good to us. And I need you to be aware of that. And really, I, I, I would like an apology for that. I would like to acknowledge, I would like you, to hear you acknowledge what you did. That's that's what what's owed to us at this point. Way harder if it's coming out of a spot of identity of, hey, I'm a Christ follower. Christ said to do this. Okay. It makes things a lot more clear, right? Not easier, but clear. What about uh, the battle at work? What if all the work drama, all those things that we struggle with, went away because we're a person of integrity and this is what we do? And we're going to trust that God's going to work things out behind the scenes in ways that we've never seen uh, comprehend and we don't know about. Man, doesn't that make it easier when it's not all on you? I have to get that promotion, and I need to do X, Y, Z to get that promotion. I need to not get fired, so I need to do X, Y, Z. What if we trusted God cared about you and your situation, and we could trust if we do the right things by him the way we're supposed to, God's going to work these things out. Not, e- not easier, but better, right? Not an easier life, but a better life when we actually bring God into these places. So how do we draw strength from identity? We, we have three examples uh, that David set before us. Uh, the first one is this. We remember what God has already done. We remember what God has already done. What was his pitch to Saul? Saul? I've done this before. I could do it again. In our tough times, what will give us internal strength that allows us to draw from our identity and be a catalyst in this new year? What will do that, looking back at what God has already done? Uh, I don't know if this is theologically true, but this is something my wife and I uh, found to be true in our lives. Anytime something's been taken away from us, we realize that God is just making room for an upgrade. So if a relationship is taken away from us, a friendship is taken away from us, an opportunity is taken away from us, a material thing is taken away from us. You know, we lived in Atlanta, Georgia for five years. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, They don't know how to drive in the south Um, because in Georgia there's fields and then there's Atlanta. (laughs) And people don't know how to drive in either spot. So we got in several car accidents in Atlanta, Um, and every time, like, a a vehicle would get totaled because people are going 120 miles an hour, so any fender bender results in your vehicle being totaled, Um, every time that happened, we're just like, I really like that car. That was nice, and it was almost paid off and all these different things, and somehow God upgraded us. We got a better vehicle at a lower interest rate, and we paid less for it. Wow. God bless us. And again, it's Atlanta, so it happened 6 weeks later, and God did it again. And it was a great time to trust that oh my goodness. When life takes things away, God is aware and God's going to be there. And we took that lesson from 10 15 years ago, and we've held on to that to be true. So when we lose something now, so that's cool. God knows. God's aware. God's going to upgrade us. It might not be exactly what we had or what we wanted, but God's going to take care of us. That's how we're able to draw on our and build into our identity to know, like, God's going to do this. You may have some moments in your life that you've known, well, God took care of us then. Use that. To be a catalyst to your faith that God's going to take care of you in this situation. It may be new, it's going to be different, but it's the same God. And He's going to be there just for you today, like He was in the past. And if you're new to the faith, this is why community is so important, because you may not have enough experiences to have faith. That's why community is important, because you could borrow on other people's faith. That's why Scripture says, How do we overcome the enemy? By uh, the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So sharing stories that I just shared with you to encourage other people's faith is inc- incredibly critical to building up our identity. Last two points, and then we're going to run. Trust and develop the strengths God has already given us. There are some things that God has already done in your life that God, uh, God has uh, presented to you. But you know what? There's also things that you're uniquely gifted to do. You know what a gift is? It's just something that you can naturally do a little bit better than other people. Just Naturally. God's given you that. Lean into those strengths. Because externally, we always want to do what other people could do. So in high school, I have a buddy. Um, We're still friends today. Uh, He was just emotionally like this. Just the most stable emotional person. You can't tell, but uh, uh, I, on the other hand, am very different. Because if it's something good, we're the king of the world. The best thing that's going on today. I'm like Ric Flair, just woo. When something bad happens, I'm Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. it's, It's all ending. We might as well just uh, take some cyanide and call it a day. Like i was just like I'm like every time something bad happened to me, I'm just I want to start a suicide cult. Like it was so bad, and I just have these highs and lows. And I remember always being jealous of my friend who was just so steady, just so emotionally steady. I was just like, Gosh, I'm so jealous of you. How can you like handle life so much better than me? You know what? That passion that I have that has those ups and downs, has been really helpful in my life and career. Because I get people excited about stuff, and it's just like, yeah, let's go after it. And I could also feel when people are down and just know, like, okay, that's a strength of mine. And I wanted to erase that strength because I was looking at his strengths. Again, I'm probably the only one that ever dealt with that, but if it applies to you, go ahead and take it. Last one, uh, remind others who they are. I want to bring the band up, back up to close. Um, I know we didn't talk about that, but hey, you would come up at the end uh, uh sing us out. That would be awesome. Um, this is huge. Remind others who they are. Because most of us, again, in our culture, is looking for external things to validate us, External things that give us strength, external tools, hacks, things that we go to at Target and if we go and buy it at Target, it's going to solve the problem. I'm not drinking enough water, so you know what will help me? A $75 Stanley Cup. That'll solve that problem. Or you could just drink more water. Just throwing it out there. Also, if you need your water to be cool for four days in a row, you're not drinking enough water. There's a problem. (laughs) That's just us. But that's also us without inviting God into the the, the problem, into that situation, right? So let's do that. Let's hold each other accountable and remind others because we're always going to look for that other thing on our own. It took Caleb, my friend from high school, to remind me. It was just like, dude... Your passion is why people follow you. And I know you got highs and I know you got lows, but that's why people get people could relate to that because at some point you're feeling what they're feeling. And people could relate to that. It was actually Caleb that helped me understand. I was like, oh, this is a strength I have. It's not a weakness. This thing's a strength. Who's a person that, as you're talking to him, that you can encourage him? It's like, no, no, no. This is what God has for you. This is a good thing. as I close today, I just want to pray for you. Because again, we we live in a culture, we live in a a tough world, and we need strength. I just encourage you that in 2024, that you're really, really, really mindful of the source of that strength. Because you could go and try to purchase that strength and take a master class and do all these sort of things, and buy the $75 Stanley Cup, or you could also hear from the Lord, pull from the tools that He's always, He already gave you, develop those, and let's just see what happens, all right? And we'll talk about it again when I I see again next year. So Jesus, I just thank you for every single person in this room. I just ask that your spirit remind us of what we're called to be as uh, individuals, but also as a community that when our insecurities say, you know, maybe we should do this, or maybe we should, uh, I should do this, or maybe it's a, uh, I, I need to get out of this situation, that we could pause and be mindful, God, you've already done these things. So I could trust you that you're going to be here again to pull us through this season. In your holy and precious
1: name, amen.